Second Peter chapter three. I'm not going to read all of this, but we'll just maybe give you a, an idea. So Peter says, this is the second time I've wrote to you. To stir up your pure minds that you might be mindful. That we might be mindful of what? We might be mindful of the Word of God. We might be mindful of the promises. We might be mindful of what God has said. We might be mindful of the Gospel. We might be mindful of Paul's writings. We might be mindful of all of that. But know this, in the last days, before the end comes, what's going to happen? There are going to be scoffers. There's going to be people that are walking after what they desire, what they long after. And he says this, and they're, they're going to say, well, there's nothing changing. Things are clicking along just like they've always gone. But you know, people are, according to what Peter says, willingly ignorant. Willingly ignorant that things are not like they are. You know, I would say this, if it were true that the world is just like it's always been, can we not look at ourselves and see that things are not as they've always been? Can we not see our own lives changing, us individually? But you know, this is, this is the condition. Peter says, willingly ignorant. Uh, the, well, there are things are going on just like they've always been. But you know, Peter calls back to mind that things are not like they've always been. You know, we've been reading in, in uh, Genesis chapter 6 and 7, the flood that came upon the earth. Things are not like they've always been, are they? You know, we said to uh, Paul Hayden and to James, it never ever rained before. They said, really? That's hard to imagine. Well, it never rained before, before that 600th year of the man Noah. Things are not like they've always been. And as we look around today, things are not like they've always been. I tell you, the day of God is drawing nigh more and more so. And you know, I realize this. We've never seen it fire fall out of heaven upon the face of the earth, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's going to happen. And, and this, this, you know why the world is as it is? Verse 7, But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. Is there going to come an eternal and everlasting destruction? It's coming. Man doesn't believe it. Most of the church world today doesn't believe it. Not in reality. We think of it in our mind. But I tell you, I believe that Peter is trying to drive this home that we could realize this, that we would come to this revelation in our own heart. But beloved, be not ignorant of this. So to the church... Be not ignorant of this, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. You know, Anthony talked about being there 10,000, being there 10 million. There's still a greater to come, isn't there? So what's, what's Peter saying? Doesn't look like there's even going to be a night. There. You, you read that in Revelation. Not even a night. But he writes this down that we could get some little means to grasp the greatness and to realize that time... Who, who's affected by time? Only us. How about those that have gone home? Are they affected by time? How about God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Are they affected by time? Only us. We're the only people that is affected by time. How much time do we have left? You don't know, do you? Would you say this in all honesty, that the days left are less than the days past? 
I believe a multitude of us sitting here today could say that that's true. There may be some sitting here today and you think that the greatest, greatest part of your life is still ahead of you. It honestly could be that the greatest part of your life has already passed. It could be. We don't know that. But the Lord, listen to these words, the Lord is not slack. Be not ignorant. Time doesn't matter with God, verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things should be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy, holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens shall be on fire, being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. I'd like to think on verse number 11, and I'd like to think on a word that's really not even in the text, in the original, but I'd like to think on the thought that it brings. Seeing. Seeing then. What, what is Peter wanting us to see? Seeing then. Or you might say since. Or because this is going to happen. Can we see this? As I go back to the first part of the chapter... I want to stir up your minds, your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you might be mindful of the words which were spoken. You know, you know as, as Morgan said, there's something that brought back a remembrance. The words that were being said brought back a remembrance. Peter is wanting for us to remember People are saying there's nothing going to happen. But as we come and Peter goes over it, you know what he says? Since this is going to happen, believing this is going to happen, seeing this is going to be real, seeing this is going to come to fruition, I ask you today, do you believe this? Do you believe that God is going to rain down fire from heaven above upon the earth? Do you believe that? Do you believe that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day? That time doesn't mean anything with God? But look how limited that we are in our time. Now, eternity, eternity we can't even grasp. Maybe we think about a thousand years in this Scripture. Maybe we think about ten thousand years in the song Amazing Grace that we get some little glimpse of time or timelessness or eternity. But I ask us today, what about our time here? What about the time that we have here? So as you think about this, what's he saying? You know what God's doing? The Lord's not slack in bringing to pass this Scripture. The Lord is forbearing and long-suffering. God is long-suffering with us, is He not? What if God had come 20 years ago? Would you be saved? Would you have lifted your eyes in hell? If God had come 20 years previous to today, would you be saved? How old would you be? That's easy math. How old would you be? Would you have been saved? I don't believe Chris would have been. I don't believe Daniel would have been. I don't believe Jessica would have been. Maybe you would have been. Time is not going to continue on and on. It's not going to continue as it has. 
It's not going to be like it's always been. And it's not. The truth is, it's not. But as we look in the mirror, you know what we see? We see in the mirror that we are changing. We see that time is having an effect upon us. But I wonder what, with this long-suffering and the forbearance of God, what effect has that had upon us? So the writer says this, Peter says, Seeing then, the day of the Lord is coming. How is it going to come? I believe it's going to come just like our sister said this morning, unexpected. That's the way it's coming. The day of God is going to catch the majority unaware. The day of God, whether it be the day of God for you as an individual, you know, I I just I just imagine that there's been a multitude of people that's been given some news today, yesterday, that they had no expectation of hearing that news. They had no expectation that their life was going to be changed so drastically this day. Well, I say this, friend, the day of the Lord is swiftly approaching. The day of the Lord is coming. And you know something? This Word of God says the day will come as a thief in the night. Is that the way it's going to come for you? It may very well do. And the Bible says it'll come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away. (laughs) Are we expecting... Are we expecting the heavens to pass away? Are we expecting the world to be burnt up with a fire out of heaven? Are we expecting that that is inflammable today? That that you don't think could fire could ever be kindled on? Are we expecting that God's going to rain down fire? That the earth, not the face of the earth, the earth, is going to be destroyed. The earth, and listen to what the Bible said, the earth is going to be destroyed. The elements with a great noise, the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. (laughs) You know, everything that you could lay your hand on, everything that the natural eye sees is going to be burned up. There's coming a day, ladies and gentlemen, when God's forbearance, when God's long-suffering, when God says it's enough, I tell you, you talk about an absolute destruction of all. That day is coming. That day is coming. So Peter says this, Seeing then. Since then. All these things shall be dissolved. That word dissolve means to loosen or to let go. You know what's going to happen? One day you're going to let go, friend. One day you're going to let go of life. One day you're going to let loose of the wife. You're going to let loose of the child. You're going to let loose of everything that you've ever held on to in this world. There's coming a day that we're going to turn loose. You know, that's a, sometimes I think, you know, that's a sad, sad thing when you think that here is a man, here is a woman, and you know, uh, uh, it, 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 it could be a, a family that's got one child, it could be a family that's got 12 children. But you know something, whether it's mother or daddy, uh, whoever it might be, brother or sister, there's coming a day, friend, when they're holding your hand and I tell you what's going to happen, you are going to be turned loose. They're going to be let loose of this life. They're going to be separated from this life. You are going to be separated from this life. And I wonder today, uh, friend, are we going to be separated from everything that's good? Are we going to be separated from everything that's eternal? Oh, I would today that we could see. I would today that we could have a vision in our minds today, a friend, of the end of this life. That we could have a vision today that we are going to turn loose of all that we hold on uh, to that that is seems to be so dear and so precious and so valuable to us today, we're going to let loose of that. It won't be long till you will lose your grasp on your health. Uh, friend, you may lose grasp 
on your mind. You may lose grasp of your vision. You may lose grasp of the care and the love. A friend of your family and of those that are near and dear to you, a friend, the day is coming that you're going to lose that. You're going to lose and be, and you're not going to be able to hold on to that any longer. Who would you say this? Seeing that that is coming, knowing that that is coming, realize that that is coming, being able to see it in the mind, being able to see it in the heart. What manner of life should we have? What should we focus upon? What should our desire be? What should we do knowing that? The truth is, we don't even like to think on that. Isn't that true? Isn't it true when you start start talking about eternity, start talking about dying, people want to get that out of their mind. But Peter said this. Peter said, see that all these things, what things? The heavens shall pass away. The earth shall pass away. The elements with a fervent heat. The earth also, all the works that are therein. Now, now, wouldn't it be devastating? I thought about it probably a week or two ago. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty close. My house is just about in the woods. And I thought a week or two ago, when I was seeing all of these great fires, whether in our country or another country, I thought, you know, if there was a fire come across the mountain and come up toward my house, would there be any way to save it? You know, it'd be a terrible thing for me to go home today and the woods be gone, everything behind the house gone, the house smoldering, and just devastation. But I tell you, there's a day coming, friend, that all the earth is going to be destroyed. You think about devastation for me individually, but I am left. I still have a, a life. But there's coming a day that all the things of the earth and all the works of the earth and the earth and the heavens and the elements are all going to be burnt up with a fervent heat. You know, man doesn't want to think about that. But there's a day coming... Ladies and gentlemen, that the earth is, that it's all going to be dissolved. It's going to be turned loose. You know why it's hell today? You know what's holding it today? Peter says it right here in this chapter. It's hell by the Word of God. Now, who is the Word of God? The Lord Jesus. You know what we do? We live and we move and we have our being in Him. All things consist. All things were made by Him and for Him. And by Him all things are held together. If He ever turns loose of it, what will be the end? It will be absolute, total destruction. But this is what I'd like to get to. Seeing. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be? What should we be doing? What should be our focus? Can you see this? Honest to God, can you see it today? Can you realize that this is coming? Whether it be individually or collectively, know this, what you and I know of life is soon to be dissolved. We are soon to let loose of it. You may go home today and I tell you it may be a devastating day. It may be a day of absolute destruction. It may be a day, a friend, that your heart is rent in twain before this day is over. But know this, we need to see this, ladies and gentlemen. We need to see the end that we might know how to live. We need to be able to see the end that we might know how we ought to. Can you see that word? You see that word right there? They'll be dissolved. What manner of person ought? What, what kind of a continuance? How long do I have to continue here? What kind of continuance should I have? What kind of life should I live seeing that all that you and I can lay our hands on, that we can see with our natural eye, seeing that all of it is going to come to naught, 
What kind of a life should I have? I, I would just say this. We read this, but if we don't see it, if we don't understand it, if we don't have a spiritual vision of it, it has no effect on the way we live. It's the truth. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be like verse number 1 through 5. I'm going, to con- I'm going to continue to go on. I'm not going to be mindful of the Word of God. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be a scoffer. I'm going to go after my own lust, after my own desire. I'm not going to follow. And you know what I'm going to do? I am going to be honest to God. I am going to be willingly. Willingly. You know what I have to do? I have to ignore what the Bible says. I have to ignore what I see in the mirror. I have to ignore what I see around me. I have to ignore that to become willingly ignorant that God is not allowing the world to go on as it always has been. Our world is changing, ladies and gentlemen. Have you seen the change in the United States of America over the last ten years? Have you seen a great change in our country? Have you seen the change that is coming? Have you seen the change that has transpired thus far? What kind of a life should we live? Should we continue on uh, being unmindful? Should I continue on and not realize that the end is coming? Should I continue on and be willingly ignorant that God must bring judgment? Whether God brings a total end to all of the world? Would you say this, that God is going to be required to bring judgment on the United States of America. Is there any way around it? Would history, would history, the the history that we know, would you say from the history that we know that there is judgment, natural, natural history, is judgment coming? Well, know this. When judgment comes, it doesn't only affect Elijah. It affects Ahab. It affects Jezebel. It affects the widow down at Zarephath. It affects all the rest of the people. When judgment comes, I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, it won't only be you that it will affect. It's going to affect these little fellows. Those three that stood up here, the youngest in the church, it's going to affect them. It's going to affect that little group that stood up here and sung all together. It's going to affect them. Your son, your daughter, your family, your mother, your daddy, your children, your grandchildren, they're all going to be affected when God says, that's it. You all, every one of us are going to be affected by that. What should that do? What should that bring about? seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. All of this is going to let loose. All of this is going to be turned loose. What manner, what manner of person ought you to be? What kind of a person should I be in all holy conversation, in my behavior, in my conduct, in my living in front of my fellow man, in my living in front of my neighbor, in my living before my family, what kind of a life should I have in front of my fellow man and my neighbor and my family and my brother, my sister, my children? What kind of a life should the knowledge of this, realizing that this is going to happen, what effect has it on us? How weighty is it Seriously, how weighty is it? I, I, I believe we'd like to put it out of our mind most of the time. That'd be the truth. Maybe, maybe you could say that's not true for me. Or I hope that is. I hope that you can say that. But listen to these words. What manner of persons ought we to be? <laughs> you know what I got? By biblical, by the biblical timeline for man. I got less than eight years. I got less than eight years 
to get anything and everything that I'm going to do for God done. <coughs> to be influential, to be of help, to be beneficial, to get the Word of God out, I have a very, very short time left. Realizing this, that God is going to bring an end. What manner of life, what, how should I live in front of my fellow man? And not only does he say that, in manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation. So that word means conduct or behavior and godliness. So I've got a life lived before Chris, and I've also got a life lived before God. So I've got a behavior and a conduct before my fellow man, and I've got a life lived before God. What kind of a life should I live before God? I believe those two will go together. And the way that I live before God is going to affect how that I live and I conduct myself and my behavior before you, right? And you know what all of that hinges on? See. See. Realizing. Coming to this knowledge. Realizing that time is running out. You know, it's, it's just like, well, that don't affect me. I, I, I promise it affects you too. You, you may like to get rid of that, but I, I just say this, the long-suffering of God. You know, he says over in Romans chapter number 2, he says, Despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? You know something? Aren't you glad today, friend, that God has spared you thus far? Aren't you glad for the goodness and the mercy of God that He's spared you thus far? And I'd say to you that are lost and undone that sit here today, praise God, praise God that He has spared you to this point today. Because right now, friend, you are not ready to go out and to meet God. God has been long-suffering and you've made fun of it. God has been merciful to you and you've made light of it. You know what man thinks? Man thinks he's his own man. A man thinks he can pull himself up by his own bootstraps. I tell you, at the snap of your fingers, a friend, God could change your world and it will never, ever, ever change again. God could take you into eternity. A friend, before before you could blink your eyes, you could leave this world and open them in another world. And friend, will that be in the presence of God? Or will that we lift our eyes in the brown, in the pit? Will we lift our eyes out of hell? Uh, friend, you know what God, God the writer says here? Oh, that we might think on, that we might see, that we might understand. I friend, that the long-suffering of God is to bring us to salvation. You know why God's been so merciful unto you? You know why God has been so good to you? You know why God has not brought judgment upon you? Well, by the Word of God, He said that it might lead thee to repentance, that we might come to that. Know this as well, a friend, that whether you repent or you don't, know this, that the Word of God shall not return void. Uh, that Word of God is going to accomplish if you're going to die in your sins and go to hell. Know this, that the Word of God will condemn you. Will I come to the Word of God seeing, seeing that all that we understand, all that we know is going to be let loose of? What kind of life should I live? How should I behave myself? How should I conduct myself in front of my fellow man? And how should I live before God? Of what importance is it? So let's, let's think about a couple of uh, Scriptures, maybe if you could bear with us. You know, I believe you could see this right here. I will read a Scripture in the book of Colossians chapter 3. If we're risen, if we be risen, then He says to set your affection on things above and not on the things of the earth. Set your mind on that. So I ask you today, where are your affections? 
Where is the mind today? You know, I believe you could say this in the first part of the chapter is a man with his mind on the things of the world. In the first part of the chapter is a man who is desiring and longing and going after the things of the world. But in the latter part where we are now, he's calling us to realize that today is coming that God is going to bring an end to this and we're going to let loose of all of it. So there, there, which which one do I hold on to? I believe you said in the book of James that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So you know what I need to do? I need my mind set on the truth of the Word of God. I need my mind. I need the Word of God. I need that to sink down in the depths of my soul, and I need to see it. I need to realize it. I need to know that it is the truth. I don't need to be a scoffer. I don't need to be an idolater. I don't need to be idle in my worship. I need to believe the Word of God. And when I believe, I believe this, friend. If you believe it, it will have an effect on you. Set your affection on things above. These people in 2 Peter chapter 3, the first part is a group of people that are scoffers. A group of people that make fun. No doubt Noah, when he was building the ark, I would say there was a multitude of scoffers. A multitude of people that were after their own lust. When you know I think about this, and I know Greg said it, and I, I don't know exactly uh, how Doug said it, but I believe Doug was saying it like this, and Greg, you correct me. But I believe that Doug was talking about the greatest thing in this life was relationships with people. I wrote this down in my Bible. Invest in people. You know, you, made a, you may have made a pile of money in the last ten years depending on where your investments are. I mean, you might have invested in uh, Tesla. You might have invested in some of these Fortune 500 companies. And you may have made a pile of money over the last five or ten years. But I say this, what will that matter when God says the end is? You know what really matters? That we invest in people. That my life is invested in people. That my life, my affection is set on the things above. On that that is eternal. This world is going away. All that's in it's going away. The, fur, uh, the elements is going away. All of my works are going away. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, Lay up treasures in heaven where moth does not corrupt nor thief break into steel. I'll say this, friend. God help us to see that all of this is going away and we invest in people. That our life is invested in the Word of God, believing the Word of God, and that our investment would be in people, a friend that we might be able, because of what God has shown us, because of what we see, they don't see the end. They don't understand the end. They don't believe the end. If they don't believe John 3.16, do you think that they believe 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 11? I've got to live a life and you've got to live a life that will convince them. We've got to live a life and invest ourselves in them. Let me live in a manner. Listen to what he says here. You know, there's nothing, absolutely nothing here that's permanent. Isn't it amazing? The truth, the truth, that I could have worked and worked and worked for 30 years to pay off my property and my home, and I can miss a tax payment to the county and lose it. What about all your investment? I lost it. I lost it all. Seeing, seeing then that all these things shall be let loose of, shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be? How should I continue? You know, I believe it's like Peter is saying this. Now that you've come to this knowledge, 
How are you going to continue the rest of your life? Now that you've come to this realization, how are you going to spend the rest of your life? In all holy conversation, so my conduct, I believe, toward my fellow man and godliness, my devotion to God, my yielding to God, my desire for God, my longing after God, what, knowing this, realizing this, seeing this, what should my life be invested in? What should I spend, spend myself on? What should I invest in? Should I invest in Tesla? Should I invest in uh, new AI technology? Should I invest in solar? Uh, should I invest in J.P. Morgan? Should I invest? Where should I invest myself? Oh, I tell you, it's not what I've got, it's me. It's not what you've got, it's you. Where shall I invest me? Where shall I spend myself? Paul said this, I believe, to the Corinthians. He said, I spend, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Isn't that what he said? But he said, the more I spend, the more I give, the less I'm liked, the more I'm hated. That's the world we're living in, folks. We're living in a world that hates for you to call their hand on sin. That hates for you to call their hand whether they're really saved or not. We're living in a world that despises the Word of God. A world that despises the truth of the Gospel. A world that despises you to question how I'm living. I'm free and I can live any way I want to. Yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, you can, but know this, there's coming a day of the payment will be due. Seeing this, how shall we live? How ought I, knowing this, just a little farther with this verse, what manner of persons ought ye to be? How should I continue? Oh, I got a new vision. I got a new vision right here. How shall I continue? If you knew tomorrow, if you knew tomorrow by five o'clock that Tesla stock was going to double, that have an impact on you? If you had a hundred thousand dollars free to invest, wouldn't that be good to have that knowledge? Wouldn't that be wonderful to have that knowledge that you could invest? and double your money. God has given us some knowledge, ladies and gentlemen. He's calling us to invest. He's calling us to live in a manner. He's calling us to live before our fellow man and how that we should live before God, realizing this and knowing this, that everything's going to be dissolved. What should I invest in? Well, the only thing that's going to go past this world souls of men and women, isn't that true? Isn't it true that the only thing that you can invest in eternally is people? To spend yourself, to give of yourself, to give your time to God that God can give you direction of how to spend your time with your fellow men. How devoted to God should I be realizing this? Realizing that everything's going away? Realizing that I'm going to turn loose? I'm going to lose my grasp on everything that's here? What should I, how should I seek after God? And God, if I seek after you, would you help me to stand before my fellow man? I believe he would. I believe if I sought after him and sought after him in all godliness and all perseverance and to seek after him, I believe God could give me direction of how to stand before my fellow man. But you know, we got to see it, we got to believe it. Hebrews chapter uh, 13, chapter 11 as well, really. Chapter 11, we have this Scripture in chapter 11. These all died in faith, having not received, this is 11.13, receiving the promises, but having seen them afar off. <laughs> what did they do? I tell you what they saw. They saw through the eye of faith, they saw the promises of God. They saw that what God said was going to come to pass. 
You know what they did? Uh, friend, that with, being that they saw that, being that they understood that, realizing that this Word of God was true, what did they do? They grasped onto that. They got a hold of the promise of God. They embraced it as what the Word of God says. Read this verse with me if you've got your Bible in your lap. Read 11.13. These all died in faith, having not, not having received the promise, but having seen them. having seen them afar off, and were persuaded. Who persuaded them? I tell you, I believe it's the Holy Spirit of God that persuades us of the Word of God. So they were persuaded. What did what happened when they were persuaded? You know what? The weatherman gets up and says at 7 o'clock this morning, well, it's going to rain today. Uh, between 12 and 4 o'clock, we're going to have numerous afternoon thunder boomers. You're going to be out. Put your umbrella in your car. You know, I was out the other morning, run into Dwight and Diane. It, I went into a store. wasn't raining, just barely sprinkling. I come out, it was absolutely pouring. I had an umbrella. It was out there in the parking lot in the truck. Dwight gave me one. What, what am I persuaded... What change will it make if I'm persuaded? These people were persuaded. Listen to what the Bible said. They were persuaded. They were persuaded of them and embraced them. <laughs> now, when I say the word embrace, what do you get a picture of? Do you get a picture of two people? Do you? Do you get a picture of two people when I say the word embrace? They were embracing. Do you get a picture of two people coming together? Well, this is not two people coming together. This is a people coming together with a word from God. And you know what they're doing? I tell you, they got their arms wrapped around it and they've got the Word of God pulled up to their bosom and they are embracing the Word of God. They are convinced. I see what it is. They have seen it. And it made a change in their life. Because they saw it. They embraced it. Some of them died in faith. You read that, don't you? Don't you read that? You know, I read in the Word of God in this chapter, I read this, that, that there, were, there were women that received their dead raised. They were uh, all the way through to verse number 35. And, they were, and there were others. Oh my, my. And others. The second part of verse 35. And others were tortured. And others not accepting deliverance. And others that they might have a better resurrection. Cruel mockings, scourgings, bonds, imprisonments, stoned, sown asunder, tempted, slain with a sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented. My God, what did they have? What did they have that they would endure such affliction? I tell you what, they had seen the Word of God and they were convinced of the Word of God and they embraced the Word of God. And Peter is saying to us, seeing that all these things will slip be dissolved, what manner of life should we live? How should I continue from this day forward? Is it, has it had an impact on me? 13th chapter. Hebrews, verse 14. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. You know, the truth being known. If we were here and a fire started on Turkey over here on the side of the mountain, and I can see it, and I know that it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I know Anthony and Beth and Paul Hayden's in the bed. I know that Rex and Redina and Kevin are up there in the bed. What effect does that have on me? Seeing, seeing that that is absolutely going to roll over their homes, roll over their houses, roll over their lives. What effect has that got? We have no continuing city here, ladies and gentlemen. 
I'll tell you everything that we know is going to be burned up, but I'll tell you what we ought to do. We ought to be after. We ought to be after our fellow man. We ought to be after our family. We ought to be after our neighbor. We ought to be after them. We ought to invest in them. We ought to pour ourselves out. We ought to spend ourselves that they might be saved. They saw. They saw. And you know what they were doing? I tell you, they wanted this man. They wanted this man and this man. We've got no continuing city here. The army, the war, the famine, the fire is going to roll over our places. But there is a place. There is a place to come. There is a city to come. I want you to go with me. I want you to, I want you to come with me. What we've got here is just temporary. What we've got here is just a few days. What we've got here, as Job said, is just a few days and full of trouble. Oh my, my. But seeing, seeing, can we see that? You know what they saw in Hebrews? They saw the Word of God afar off and they were persuaded of it and they embraced it. Maybe you, maybe this ain't helping you. I'm sorry if it's not. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks like this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what? I was a lost man on the road to hell one day and friend, I didn't see anybody else. I didn't see anybody else in their true condition. I was blind. I was blind to my own condition, blind to their condition. I looked out and I thought, why that whole crowd? I, why, I'm as good as they are. I'm better than most of them. Uh, some of them is going to die and go to hell. I mean, look how wicked and how ungodly. And that group down there at the church, that bunch of hypocrites, and I tell you, God come by one day and revealed unto me my condition. And I'll tell you what I got. Praise God, I got a new vision of humanity when God saved me. I no longer looked. This is my cousin. This is my sister. This is my brother. That's my mother. That's my daddy. That's grandma. No, I tell you, God gave me a new vision and I began to look at people in a brand new light. I began to look at those people and my thought was, are they saved? Are they born again? Have they ever been to Calvary? Have they ever put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus? Has God made a change in their life? And you know what? how that happened? Uh, God let me see! Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we Him no more. Boy, <laughs> well, I tell you what, Paul got a brand new vision. Now listen to this word, the, the verse I read to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And all things are of God. Why are you saved? I tell you, you're saved because of God through the Lord Jesus. That's the reason you're saved. And all things are of God. There's the originator. Who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse number 18, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, hath, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You know what God did? God gave us a little job to do. God gave us a little ministry. And you know what the ministry is? The ministry is to bring those that are separated that they might be reconciled into favor. Are they in the favor of God being lost? We could say this, that it rains on the just and the unjust. That's the book, isn't it? 
You know, a man that's saved may have a heart attack and die. And a man that's lost may have a heart attack and live another 20 years. You know, either, either way you want to look at it, it's in the hand of God, isn't it? But what has He given unto us? He has given unto us, verse number 18, He has given us the ministry. So you know what that is? There's the waiter. There's the waiter carrying the tray that's got all the goodies that you need to eat, to survive, to enjoy. He's got it all. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us the ministry. Now listen, listen to what he says in verse number 19. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed, that word there means to lodge in, to lodge in us, what? The Word. The Word that brings man into favor with God. The Word that brings man and reconciles God into a favorable, or a man into a favorable condition with God. God has lodged that in you. If you're saved, you know what Peter's saying? Peter's saying, I want you to hear this Word. I want to stir up your mind, your pure mind by way of remembrance. I want to stir this up in you and know this, that the world is going to, we're going to turn loose of the world. You need that in your heart. You need to be able to see it. And then when you see it, you can share with the rest of the world that they might find a word of reconciliation. He lodged that in you. If you're saved, He lodged, He committed unto you the word of reconciliation. Peter's got a word of reconciliation. I'm going to go on. So if you could bear with us just another time or two. In the book of Lamentations, a very, a very familiar Scripture. So Jeremiah is looking and he says this. When he looks at his people, he says, Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water. Verse 49, 349, Lamentation. My eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission kind of condition was this man Jeremiah in? My eyes runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction, the ruin, the brokenness, the fractured, the desolation, the devastation of my people. Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eye trickleth down, my eyes flow and cease not. There is no intermission with my weeping, with my crying before God, with the emotion that is coming out of my heart as I look. You know what Jeremiah is seeing? Jeremiah is looking at people. How does it affect him? He can't stop weeping. He can't stop crying. Now you know I'd say this. I could cry and cry till I could cry no more. But my heart could be affected and I could cry to God. And God could use you and use me as our cry as we're affected by that that we see. God could do a work in you and you and I could be a worker or serving or be a minister and ministering because He has reconciled us, committing the word of reconciliation unto us. I can cry and cry and cry and I'll just say, well, they're just so pitiful. It's so sad. But can I cry to God? Do I have a God to cry to? Do I have a God that can make a difference? Do I have a God that can equip me, that can enable me? Do I have a God that will affect me? Do I have a God that will give me the direction to stand before my fellow man? Is there a God like that that I can cry to? My eye affecteth my heart. Does it? As we look and we see the condition all around us, 
I thought about this verse in Philippians. What a what a truth. What a truth that this is. The book of Philippians chapter number uh, chapter number 2. That do all things without murmuring, who uh, no murmuring and disputing. What's before that? God working in you. Do all things without murmuring and disputing against God. You know what I do? I look out and I say, well, my God, that's a hopeless situation. No need for me to try there. No need for me to put any effort there. No need for me to invest. I'm going to lose everything I got if I invest my time and my money and myself there. He said, do all things without murmuring, disputing. Listen to the words. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You think we live in a crooked and perverse nation today? I'm not running down our country. I don't mean it in that sense that I hate our country. But I certainly do hate the condition our country's in, don't you? I don't hate our country. I love our country. We still live. We are the only... We're the only place on the face of the earth that has the freedoms that we have. I tell you, to our north, to our south, to our east, the southern hemisphere, a friend, Europe, all over our world today, there is nobody that has the freedom that the United States of America has got today, and we are in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation. Can we make a difference? Can you? Make a difference. I may not make a difference on the world scene. I may not make a difference on the national scene. But can I make a difference in this scene? Can I make a difference in this community? Can you make a difference in your family? Can you make a difference where you work? Can you make a difference with your people? Can you have an impact on others? See... Jeremiah saw them. Jeremiah saw them and what a condition they were in. One more time, if you'd bear with us. Proverbs chapter number 29, a very familiar Scripture. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now we could look at that and we could say, well, that has no application to us today. Well, I'd like to say it like this. Where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, where there is no sight, the people... we got the same word again. To loosen. The people perish to loosen. They're naked. They're shamed. They rebel. They are asleep. They are idle. They continue on just like they've always gone in their lust, in their desires, in their mockery, in their slander, in their scoffing. But you and I, ladies, you don't know where there is a vision. Have we had a vision? Has God gave us a revelation? Can we look at our neighbor? Can we look in our neighborhood? Can we look on our job? Can we look in our church? Can we look in our family? Have we got a vision? If there's no vision... Am I going to be a blind man leading the blind? I need a revelation from God. I need to follow after God. I need to be led of God. I need to be affected by the Word of God, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of person should I live? What manner of person ought I to be in, 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 in all behavior, in all conduct, in all godliness before you and before God? How should I live? How should I continue from the place where God gave me sight? You know, I have been. I have been on my hands and knees with the best light I could find to try to find a part I dropped. Maybe a nut. Maybe a bolt. Maybe a pin. But you know, when I saw it, when I saw it, my work changed. 
I went from looking and searching and down on my hands and knees. I found it. You know what it did? It elated my heart. And friend, I went to finish and to complete the project I was working on. God wants us to see and that it might change the way that we're living. Where there is no vision, you know, we said in Hosea, my people die, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Isn't that true? Would you say this? Before you were saved, you thought you knew all about God. You knew how to get to heaven. You knew how you were supposed to live. And you had it all figured out. Oh my, my. Isn't it amazing when you got saved that you had a brand new outlook. You lived different. You talked different. You thought different. You acted different. Everything about your life was brand new. You were a new creature. Don't don't let that die. If you're saved, don't let that die. And if that has never happened unto you, know this. Seeing, seeing that everything that we know of, we're going to let loose of it. I'm going to loosen my grip on it one day. <laughs> you, you may have the hand of your loved one just like that. There's coming a day. The grip will 